Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Grave. This will be the last episode of Season 1, and it's going to be a pretty different episode than what you're used to. Um, for those of you who have been following this podcast, normally an episode is comprised of me talking to one guest. Uh, recently we had two, but this episode I will be talking to three guests, and that's because I'm interviewing my family. Um, in episode one, I cataloged the most vivid and interesting encounters I've had in my own personal life with the paranormal. And throughout my discussions with all my guests, I've shared bits and pieces of other experiences I've had or have heard. And one reoccurring theme I think, is the passing of my mother. My mother passed away of breast cancer several years ago, and I think her passing was kind of the catalyst, not only for this podcast, but for my family's kind of spiritual adventure as a whole. I think we've all dealt with her death differently, and I think we've all come to a certain conclusion in the years since her passing. So this episode is meant to bring episode one kind of full circle in the sense that I'm literally bringing it home to my family. Uh, I will be interviewing both my brothers and my sister, and I will also be describing an experience my father had at our family home. I think it's a fairly rare thing when every immediate family member has had some sort of paranormal experience. And it wasn't knowledge that I was exactly privy to until recently. And I think we've all become fairly comfortable discussing it. And whether we're talking about my mother or just some other supernatural experience that we can't explain... It's not often that if you go around to every member of a family that they'll have some sort of paranormal story to tell you, at least in my experience. So while my mother will play an integral part in this episode, I think you'll find that even our childhood home, as well as the town we grew up in, certainly has some secrets left to be explored. I had initially designed this episode to either be an oldest to youngest or a youngest to oldest situation. But as I spoke with my family members, I, I soon realized that crafting this episode in that way wasn't going to be the proper way to tell it. I will first start off with the experience my father had, because I think that sets the stage for everything else that will be discussed hereafter. And this, I mean, as I said, this all kind of starts with my mother's passing, and she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer after surviving her first battle with it. It came back with a vengeance. It wasn't until after everything had kind of died down, where my father divulged this story. Before she passed, uh, her and my dad would kind of sit up and talk and kind of prep each other, both spiritually and mentally, for the loss that was about to happen. And my mother had told my father that if she could, after she died, she would whisper in his ear to let him know that she was okay. Sometime after she passed, my father was sleeping in what used to be their bedroom. It still is his bedroom. And he said, simultaneously, he felt the sensation of someone pushing down on his shoulder as if to wake him up, and also the sound of my mother's voice saying his name. And after he kind of sat up and realized kind of what he had just experienced, he noticed that around the room there was this kind of, uh, I guess he described it as like a shimmering haze. It was 
not really a fog, but more of a kind of a ethereal light that kind of pervaded the room. And uh, he also noticed that our, our dog, Taz, who's what, 14 now at this point, he was obviously a few years younger um, at the time, but he was at full attention at the foot of the bed, kind of just staring off into the bedroom. And my father, uh, to be fair, all my life, as far as I know, has been kind of agnostic on the whole heaven, spirit, soul thing. Um, growing up, he was never the first one to willingly say, let's go to church. That was always my mother. But I think after this experience, he has kind of softened to the idea that it's not all black and white as far as life and death goes. So please keep what I just told you in mind. Because while not all of the following stories are inclusive of something that happened in our family home or concerned my mother, I am going to try my best to weave a family ghost story throughout this episode. So without further ado, I give you my family. Um, well, I'm just putting Harper on because Jess is out and I'm <laughs> can't, uh, can't leave her unattended. Yeah. Now if you need to, uh, duck out at any time, that's what, uh, that's what editing is for. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. Um, but do you have any questions for me before we start the shindig? I don't think so. That's fine. And, um, I'm just, just for my, cause when I go to talk to Kirsten, the gallery's house is the one in North Cove, right? Yeah. North Cove. Okay. And she, she had experience. Well, she knows. I'll, I'll ask her. Cause I feel like she's, when I asked her, she was like, I don't really have any experiences at all. And I was like, I feel like you told me a bunch of scary shit that happened at the gallery's house. So yeah, it's more her firsthand experience, like a third party experience getting told it from Scott or Allie or the mom. Um, but I know like all of them have had stuff happen there and I'm sure she'll get more into it. But like one day, um, the mother and uh, or the yeah the mother and father are divorced now. But one day, all of his left shoes were just gone, and he like <laughs> went into like he went into like he went into like all the kids' rooms and was like, "Hey, like funny prank, but like I need my shoes for work." And everyone was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> we don't have your shoes, Dad." <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So I don't know, there's little stuff like that. I know Kirsten's got a few more that are definitely a little more uh, terrifying. But interestingly enough, the the thing that did happen to me and Eric also happened to Allie, um, who's their the daughter and her boyfriend. Oh shit! All right, well, so let's let's do that then. Why don't you why don't you get us started with uh, with your your tale, and then um, then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, perfect. So, so where to begin? It was a warm June evening. No. <laughs> Um, so it was actually opposite of June. Um, I was back for winter break from college, um, and went to school in California. So, um, I was, I was back for winter break. I was somewhat of a, of, of a heavy, uh, pot smoker at the time. Some would so say. I had, some would say, some <laughs> would say so. And that's, it's kind of builds up to like the, the reason for even going there in the first place. Um. <laughs> I had I I had a bong. I brought it out with me to California. So when I came back, I didn't I didn't have one. And the galleries were on vacation. And at, and Kirsten was like, "Oh, you could go over and like take theirs while they're gone." Um, but she was like, when she was telling me about it, Kirsten was like, she was like, "Oh, like I don't want to go there. Like I've heard all these stories. Like I'm afraid. Like, I don't want to go in there like all alone." She was like, "But I'll, like I'll tell you." like how you can get in there and like where where to get the bomb and so that this the the entire thing was just it was so uh, like a, a usual th- not a usual thing but just like a you know not so crazy thing like oh we're going over to this house to go get a bomb like right. that was that, that was literally the the thought behind <laughs> the night um, Gotta have which, it, is, you know? <laughs> w- which is kind of ridiculous yeah so so anyway so i was in i'll i'll I don't know why I remember this part of it so well. It's kind of like more of the preclude, or like a prelude to the story. 
Um, but I was at Hibachi with a few high school friends. Um, standard stuff. And standard stuff. And <laughs> um, we were we were you know just you know catching up and things like that. And then I told them I was going over to the gallery's house to get this bong and how my sister was afraid and how it was haunted. They were all like, "Oh, it's you know it's probably not like." there's not much to that and my friend eric was like i'll go with you he was like i'm curious and i was like all right i was like here we go because because again we we knew about this house and the stories that had been told from from the galleries and from um um you know from all the family members and so again all all we had to do was go to the house Get, there's a little access code to get in and then you we had to get the key out of Allie's bag and then or is that Scott's bag actually um and go it sounds like car. a mission out of like Vice City or something it's like it, re- it really <laughs> it's, it's absolutely ridiculous again the the reasoning behind why we were there so anyway so me and Eric Lee Fabachi we, we we go to the house um and you know it kind of just like goofing off in the car and you know being like oh this is gonna be nothing and a little i feel like i need to explain like two things about this like one the house was built in 1813 so like not old you know compared to europe that's nothing but like an an older house that's you know at least seen that's definitely old (laughs) old yeah it's it's seen some time you know we're we're over 200 years now yeah and the the other thing i remember about this house is i was in God, it was, I think it was elementary school. And we had a school field trip to this house before the galleries even went there. And we went there and behind the fireplace, like there was this like kind of, not behind, it was like the tiles kind of like opened up um, because there was like a large area in front of it. And it was, that house was part of the underground railroad. No shit. Which like, it just just adds more to this house to and the like the big, yeah no exactly like all of the things that i don't know could could have happened there and you know for it being such an old house yeah. but anyway um on the other thing i think is important to explain is just like the layout of the house i mean it's a pretty standard house you actually don't go like the front door is not where we went in because the access code is in the back so like from the back there's a hallway to the kitchen and there's like a, you know, a living room um there's a bedroom to the right, kind of open floor plan a little bit, and then there's an upstairs. So me and Eric, first thing we did, we you know we got into the house, and I was just like, well, let's just get the bomb first, and let's just like let's just take care <laughs> priorities. of priorities, you know, yeah, <laughs> priorities, absolutely. So we went to we we got the keys out of the bag, we got it out of we got the bong out of the trunk, we brought it to uh, brought it to the car. And then we were like, all right, let's, you know, let's, let's go explore. Like it felt a little weird because like these people are on vacation, not, I mean, they're, they're friends, kind of family friends through, through Kirsten. Right. Um, Hold on, just, you know. just real quick. You made, so you got, you got the bong, but then you made the, the decision to afterwards, after the object, objective was complete to then explore the house further. To go back in. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It was, we were like. Because again, it was just like let's you know let's get this and then and then we'll go explore. Um, okay. All right. Good so and again, wanted to be wanted to be respectful at, at the same time and not be you know too uh, too intrusive. And so yeah, so we're we're we walk into the house for the second time now, and it's you know when you go on vacation, most people it's very clean, things are put away. Um, you know, it looks looks like no one's been there for you know a few days to a week because no one has been right um so yeah everything everything was all in order i I always forget this part so when the when we walked in for the second time we were kind of uh not kind of we were antagonizing the ghosts like saying Uh, things out loud (laughs) and and like you know stupid stuff like oh come out come out wherever you are and you know, just being being very full of ourselves and yeah, and it starts. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, again, go, going through the house, and we're like, all right, let's let's look upstairs because I've I've heard some stories of, of some things upstairs. Um, and it's you know we we don't know where a lot of these lights are in the house. We're not going to be like investigating. So like we didn't turn much on besides like the the kitchen um, the kitchen light. So we were going up the stairs. So we were just using like a cell phone or something to like guide your way or? Yeah, pretty much, okay. pretty much. Um, 
but then we got to like midway um i actually made eric go first because i didn't want to go first up the stairs i was <laughs> <laughs> i was being i was being uh, a little a little baby um but we're as we're approaching like the top of the stairs like we see a glow and we're like well that's weird and the tv's on and it's not on a channel it's just like on you know one of those uh you know like it's got, like an HDMI screen or something like it's just like yeah well not even it was like an older TV and I I, I kind of have a memory of the, like like the green letters at the bottom this is like line or something oh, like yeah. that like uh -huh. it, it, like it was in some mode that like you know that that's what it was in so get up there and we're like well that's freaking weird um <laughs> it didn't really like it was also like it was dark and like we didn't know the house and we we're like all right well, I'm not gonna we're not gonna go like explore through the dark through like people's bedrooms right now yeah um Fair. you know open opening doors and things like that so like all right you know tv's on whatever someone could have left that on and so head back down the stairs we then there is not a like the, the bedroom was the door was open so we didn't really know it was a bedroom we just knew it was a room and we walked in there and it's this house again built in 1813 very um you know a lot of antique furniture like still in there like it was modernized but like still had that rustic old time charm feel. yeah yeah exactly okay um so and it but like when we went down to that bedroom it was like it looked like something out of like 1900 just this bed with like the i don't know those things that go all the way to the ceiling from the corners yeah, yeah um yeah. very basic comforters and things like that um and just just being in there i was like all right this is, this feels like a very old room probably like one of the first rooms that was like built in the house or something like that yeah and as we're getting as we're getting closer to the bed it just it just starts getting like very cold in the room mm -hmm. <laughs> and again like you know like a part of me is like oh it was winter time um but you know it's it's a heated house all, all throughout it's been modernized like it wasn't cold in the kitchen it wasn't cold when when we went upstairs yeah and we go in, we go into the bedroom and as we're getting closer closer to the bed it just starts getting very cold and we both kind of like turn to each other I remember Eric was like, "All right, man, like I, I think it's time to go." <laughs> we were like, <laughs> too real. <laughs> yeah, no, like he, I was, he's like, "I'm, I'm uncomfortable," and I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable." <laughs> this was a mistake. Like it, yeah, I was like, I was like, this is, this is not what I was really expecting. Thought you know nothing was going to happen, hmm. um, at all, and so we go back, um you know go back to league because we're like all right like that was weird but you know not not much happened like that that could be explained we hadn't really talked like we kind of like hurried out of, of that bedroom but like kind of just the mutual thoughts that yeah. were going on as we just as we were discussing it after and we turned to the kitchen and every single cabinet is like wide open like and they they weren't the cabinets that like swing all the way so it's just every single cat like and it, it wasn't just like all in one row it was there was this like little island in the center like all those were open there was like on in that hallway when you um walk it when you walk in from the back there's there was a cabinet for like clothes there's another one that had like supplies in it and wide those open. were all open um, too oh wow. everything everything was open now i i have we, to, i have to ask they were yeah. not open when you walked in <laughs> No, a hundred, a hundred percent not because right, that, they yeah. it, probably you would have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing, like we wouldn't have been able to get in the way they were wide open. Um, oh, to okay. yeah. Like it they would, they were all, your, like, your entry. It, it exactly. Especially where the hallway was, um, like in the kitchen, you could still get around it, but it was, you know, it was a, a spectacle. But you didn't and it hear, was, you didn't hear anything. No, we didn't hear anything at all. That's even wilder. You'd assume, well, yeah. You, I feel like you'd have to hear something if they open, but it's like that's that's special. I, <laughs> and I, that's and again, maybe like when we were in the bedroom and just kind of both freaked out, our minds were kind of elsewhere and not paying attention to other sounds or something right. like that. But yeah, we right. there was there was no noise, no creaking or anything um, like that. So yeah, we're we're in the kitchen looking around and we like again no words exchanged just pure <laughs> horror <laughs> and being and just sprinted out of there um you know had to had to actually close some of the cabinets like to, to get out yeah. in that hallway um you know went out the door we didn't have to lock the door because it was like one of you know it was a, 
automatically locks because you need the code. And we just we peeled out of the driveway and just never looked back. Before that happened to me, you know, I had, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't call it, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a a man in, in the sky with a with a big white beard. Um, Santa, but I, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I, but I definitely, you know, believe in, um, I, I believe in ghosts. I believe in, um, you know, uh, the, the supernatural and, and things like that. Um, but every time, you know, I'd see these ghost hunter shows or, you know, even, even the scary movies and be like, oh, like that would be pretty cool if something like that happened to me. Um, but I, you know, up until that point it hadn't. Hey, you. <laughs> Hi. What's up? Not much. I was just watching movies. I love how I say it like I wasn't anticipating you coming on and talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're here. Funny. Um, okay. So, yeah, I just talked to Jeremy and he discussed his experience with, at the galleries. Um, he had mentioned that you may know, I don't know if Scott, I don't know if he told you any stories, but uh, I think it'd be, if he has and you have some, I would like to hear them because I would just kind of tack those on to Jeremy's. I asked him if he had any other information. He said he didn't, um, but obviously you're a friend of his. So I figured if you did, you can tell me. If not, that's completely fine. Well, I have one that stands out to me that his mom experienced. Okay, let's start with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so basically, I think all the kids, like they're off in different states or at college. Um, Scott was in college at that time, so she was home alone. And uh, she was in the kitchen and she was getting something and was walking back into the living room. And as she stood like in the living room, she saw this like black silhouette figure of this little girl. Okay. Her first encounter seeing this like little girl uh, outline, but. Hold on, uh, so just just to clarify, so it was a black, like were there any visible features or was it just like a shadowy kind of? Yeah, it was more like a shadowy, like it was, she described it as a very defined like black silhouette um, of a girl. She had, de- definitely a small little girl. Yes, yes. Okay. And it was almost like the figure was like doing these wave, like waving motions for her to like come. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) And Mrs. Gallery ended up uh, booking a room at Old State Brook Point Inn because she was so scared to stay the night at her house all alone. I thought you were going to say she ended up following the the show. That would have been so. That would have been too much. Yeah, no, like it's come to the point where like Scott doesn't even like he in high school would sleep over my house if his mom was like out or something. So he was too scared to be in the house alone. So no one wants to be no one wants to be there alone. No. Is the thing. Do they know of a death that happened in the house or any weird, you know, occurrences in the past? So I think with that girl, they did find that there was a girl who died of scarlet fever. Sure. Yeah. That's an old timey one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, and I think her name, they don't count me on this, but I thought they said her name was Emily. Okay. And one of the daughter's names is Emily, which is quite weird. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they knew about that. I think I don't remember the details about others, um, but there's definitely a lot of history in that house. Okay. And- pleasant <laughs> well it definitely speaks to the the whole uh, you know the the truth to that place being s- creepy at the very least because from what jeremy's experience was and from what you're telling me about no one wanting to stay there there's definitely <laughs> something yeah. going on well and i don't know if jeremy told you but the same thing happened to the gallery with the the uh cabinets opening yeah and he he didn't even know about that yet i told the galleries what had happened and Allie was like, Kirsten, <laughs> she was like, me and my boyfriend from vacation, we were the first ones home and all the kitchen cabinet were thrown away. You will not believe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
No. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I feel like, would he ever let me into that house for a night? Like me and a buddy? <laughs> like, are they always there or is it like, do they go away? <laughs> Mrs. Gowery does go away, but she would also, if she knew you were doing this, I feel like she would love it. She. Uh, I need to. Loves- I need to. I need to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely talk to them. I think she'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just yes. Yeah, plant the seed. Let's see what they yeah, let's see what they say. I will. I actually will. First, I want to hear the experience you had where you think you might have been dreaming, but there was a girl. Um, only because I'm intrigued because a very vivid experience I had from episode one was the girl in my hotel room. Um, so I'm curious to see kind of. You know how you felt, what you, what happened. I obviously don't know what happened, um, and then we'll move on to to Malik's story. So yeah, this happened in this room, so your old room. Which I will say, I had a scary experience in that room as well. That was, un- like, I don't know why it would have happened in there, but right. Okay, carry on. Yeah, and so my bedroom was slightly rearranged, so like my bed is where I'm sitting now. Yeah. So um, I was like sleeping in this area and I, I don't know what time of night it was, but it was definitely like middle of the night, probably two or three. And I just woke up and I was like facing this side of the room and it was like immediately opening my eyes. I just see this figure standing next to my bed and I'm, I'm kind of shocked. Like, I, I don't, like, flinch or anything. I'm like, what is happening? And everything's in place. Like, this is so real. Like, there's no way I'm having a dream. And I kind of, I don't really move my head. I just move my eyes. And it's just this, like, <laughs> so I immediately see this, like, black cloak. Oh, my God. <laughs> this blow my mind. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> no, it was crazy. It was this black cloak. And... But then when I scan up to the face, I see blonde, like very nice blonde hair. Um, and, but the eyes are the one thing, like it, they were like red, like it, it was like a, like a bright red. And she wasn't looking at me. She was just staring directly at my bed and just kind of down like at my body or at the middle of the bed and was just standing there, didn't move, didn't do anything. I was like, (laughs) just in such shock that I literally just turned to the other side. You're like, nope. (laughs) Just put the blanket over my head. I was like, I just didn't look up for the rest of the night and was petrified. I don't know what that was. I I even just like, well, so you, you know the experience I had in that room with the shadow figure, right? The cloaked figure. I feel like you may have mentioned it. So not only did I, I mean, I know I experienced it, but I, I talk about it in episode one. Um, what you just described, it's, I'm almost shocked that you you don't know, like, or aren't like, oh yeah, I, I remember when you said that because because if you had been like, oh yeah, I remember you saying that, I'd be like, oh, maybe she's just kind of like, like transference. Like, oh, Josh said there was a cloaked shadow figure in his room. So maybe, you know, now I'm I'm seeing that. But the fact that you are kind of ambivalent on the fact that I even mentioned it to you or that you know about it is terrifying to me because when I when I slept in that room, the one experience I had was I rolled over at around like, th- like 2.30, 3 in the morning and there was a cloaked figure standing right by my bedside. My experience though, there was no blonde hair or eyes. It was just this like, I mean, there was a head, shoulders, full body. It was kind of a taller, taller uh, uh, figure. But I didn't, I couldn't, gender was, I didn't know male, female, what it was. Um, and much like you, I, I quickly just threw the covers over my head and I was like, either I'm about to die or I'm seeing something. The only, the and I'm curious to see uh, what happened afterwards because for me, I threw the covers over my head, waited for about five minutes, my heart's pounding out of my chest. I made a little peephole out of my covers and turned, figure was gone and the bedroom door, like that I, of our my room, your room now, um, I always shut it at night. My, it was wide open. So I'm curious, was your door open or closed when this happened? And when you took the covers off your head, I'm assuming it was gone, <laughs> but was the door closed or open? I always sleep with my door closed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't even think I looked at the door, but I feel like I would have noticed if it was open. Yeah. So I, but I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I was literally too scared to come out from the covers. Huh? This is when you told me you saw a girl. I was like, oh, like, like a little child or something. Like no, no, uh, this, like a very distinct difference from what I experienced. Can you explain to me? I'm sorry, I just did not know this happened to you, and now I'm like jacked to the tits. <laughs> um, but so when you woke up, do you remember like having a moment where like I'm awake, I am going to roll over to a side of the bed or do so? Or I guess the bigger question here is when you woke up, were you like I can't move my body? No, I didn't feel that way. Okay. Like I woke up, I was like on sleeping on my left side. Were you facing the wall? I was facing the mirror okay so it was like i was facing the open room <laughs> right so well so but you woke up so you woke up facing the mirror and you automatically like when you woke up there was it was standing there yeah well it was kind of like i was looking like straight ahead but out of the corner of my eye i saw i was like kind of quick like <laughs> what is that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> um. <laughs> okay so you woke up and then you realized and then do you so you saw it and your immediate reaction was to throw the covers over your head. Yeah, it was kind of just like a scan from bottom to top. I like saw enough to see the face and the features and then just was like, mm-mm, <laughs> like turned. So you were able to like, your body, like you were just like, okay, I'm at it. Like, I'm putting these covers over my head. Yeah, I was, I was able to do that, yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Um, the facial features, what were they like? <laughs> Yeah, uh, you have to understand. This is like you're like uh, unveiling like a, a layer of an experience I had. So this is like so interesting to me. Yeah. Well, honestly, when I saw the face, I was shocked. Like she was very pretty. Pretty. Okay. Well, like very like kind well, of so slender. The blonde woman. So you couldn't. So like the cloak would have been like this. So all you could see was like hair, just like this much. Okay. And did you see a face? Yeah. Okay. I could just see like the front of her face, but like again, the eyes were like this bright, like red. Mm. Um, Demon esque. Yeah, it was weird. Mm. Um, she had like her chin was very like slender. She had like a very slender lower jaw. Like a pointed point. Like, it came to a point. Yeah, it, it was like decently <laughs> pointy. <laughs> um, but like that, that was really it to me. It was just like, yeah, the slenderness and then the blonde hair in the eyes but it was like it was pretty it wasn't anything that was like holy shit <laughs> i mean that's still a holy shit moment this yeah. is like i am blown away <laughs> yeah. only because it it, it it completely coincides with what i experienced right. except for the fact that i didn't see a face or hair or anything like that right maybe she revealed more to you than she would to me oh my god what is going on in that house <laughs> No, I'm convinced that there's something. Okay, well, on that point, let's move on to, if, unless there's anything else you want to discuss. I know, um, well, let's so let's do this. I know you've you've sent me videos of, of Taz kind of being a little on, on guard. Um, so maybe let's briefly go over that and then um, we'll, we'll hit Malik's story and, and we'll call it. Okay. Um... Yeah, I don't know when this started exactly. I, and I think it was when dad had started dating Trisha and he would go out during some weeknights for dinner or whether it was a weekend. And I would just hang out downstairs with Taz on the couch and I'd be like watching a movie or watching TV. And um, there was just like one night where I noticed Taz was staring into that little hallway that leads into dad's and mom's bedroom. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, I didn't think much of it, but I was like, why? Like he was just staring over there for so long. I was like, what is going on? And then um, I looked back at Taz and he just like slowly started moving his head, like as if he was watching something. Like walk. Living room. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And so I, I took out my phone I was like, I'm just going to see if I like can capture something like half joking, half being like whatever. So I'm just like filming where he started looking and I'm tracing it like past the fireplace, kind of towards the 
dining room towards the TV. And then it goes back to Taz. And um, that whole time, like I, and I still out of the corner of my eye, I see Taz, like he's been looking and then he just kind of like looks back at me at one point. I'm like, that's weird. So I rewatched the video and you can see from kind of right near the fireplace to when I'm filming towards Taz, there's just this like orb, <laughs> mm. this weird flash of an orb. And it goes right directly near Taz. Yeah. I see it in there. And I know like mom used to sit there a lot to watch TV. Mm. Um, and it was just like a very, I was like, am I just like <laughs> exaggerating this whole thing? Like, is this just like my camera lens? Is this, I don't know, but it was the whole idea. I know dogs are super sensitive to spirits and that, mm. yeah. um, all of that. So part of me feels like Taz just like senses mom's like spirit sometimes in the house. And I've specifically in the living room, I've just noticed him kind of trace. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. That's. Okay, let's let's move on to Malik's, and then I just kind of want to get your thought on something that just popped into my head. But let's let's talk about Malik's encounter too. Yeah. Uh, For everyone listening, Malik is is Kirsten's boyfriend. <laughs> I like him. He's he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he woke up at it was like two in the morning. We had both woken up at two a.m. It was weird. Um, Seems to be the time in that house. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we didn't know why we were up, but. He got up to go to the bathroom and I just kind of rolled back over and started falling asleep. And he had told me, he went to the bathroom um, and he came back out. And as he like opened the door and started walking out of the bathroom, he uh, felt like a, like a hand just kind of softly on his shoulder. And they said, hey, and it was in like a woman's voice. And he <laughs> like turned around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he was like, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> and he just walked back to the room and he waited till the morning to tell me because he didn't want to like freak me out. But uh, I just, I found that really interesting considering dad's experience too. When he yeah. Well, also, and, and is Malik a, a spiritual person or is he more on the kind of agnostic, atheistic spectrum? That's a great question. I mean, you don't, I mean, if you, yeah, you don't, obviously, if you don't know, don't, <laughs> you don't have to. I don't that. think he's like strictly one or the other. I think it's kind of like if it happens, it happens. Like, case by case basis. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah. So, all right. So he heard a female voice and uh, he felt, he felt a hand on his shoulder. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I guess your thoughts on that are that, you know, it was, it was mom. I feel like, yeah, it was just a gentle, like getting your attention soft, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense given that she, she, you know, passed away in the house. Yeah. Um, but I want to, so this is, this will be my final question to you. Um, Cause I've been thinking about this for a while, actually, since dad told, you know, me, his experience and, you know, especially with this uh, Malik experience, there's a part of me that's like, if that's mom, that's awesome because it's like, you know, she's still some form or part of her is, 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 you know, still here, which is, is awesome. But then I think, is it? Cause I, I feel like if that's the case, I feel like I would have wanted her to move on, you know, to, to you know, to heaven or, or wherever souls go after we pass. Um, so I just wanted not to get too morbid or, or depressing, but I wanted to get your take on, you know, it, if you think it's mom, is it a good thing that she's there? Or do you think that, you know, maybe if, if she is there, is it one of those things where we feel like she shouldn't be, or are we happy that she is? So the first thought that comes to mind is I think she, I think it's a good thing in this aspect that she wanted us to know that there's a life beyond mm. and that, you know, everyone always thinks about the afterlife and um, 
she wanted to make sure, especially with dad and with all of us, you know, that somehow she'd get her message across that she is still present. And so I think in a sense with some of us, she has done that. And whether, you know, for dad, it's through a spiritual experience. For me, it's been through dreams and little weird situations um, where it's just like, that was mom. Like, I I think in the house specifically, it's it's good to a certain point. But part of me also feels like she, it isn't just here. Like her presence is in so many other places. Well, I was going to say too, as, as a follow-up to that question, because I'm saying it's strictly in a, in a very like Christian, very re- like very religious, you know, uh, mindset where it's like, you either go to heaven or you don't, you know? And to that point, like maybe it's, she, you know, bounces back and forth from time to time or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah. So not to, not to be like, why isn't she in heaven? <laughs> like we don't, um, but I was, I'm curious because it's, it's kind of been something that's been on my mind ever since you told me about the Malik thing. And then obviously with dad's story, you know, it's like, it's always nice to know that, you know, your loved one is still around, but it's like, also you want that, you want what's best for them still, even in, in death. It's like, you know, you want to, you want them to ascend to, you know, bliss and, you know, all that, all that other good stuff. So um, I was curious to get your opinion on that, but that was a very insightful answer you gave and actually kind of put me in my place as far as <laughs> where my headspace was at. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how's Chicago? Have you ever been? I have not. Um, even in winter, it is a beautiful city. And like, I kept thinking like, oh, you know, the Midwest, it's landlocked, but it, you feel like you're on the Atlantic Ocean. The Great Lake that it's on is enormous. Oh. It is a full ocean. <laughs> um, beautiful skyline. It's, it's cold, but like not, not, honestly, it's not any colder than where y'all are. At night, it does drop to single digits, but like during the day, it's like 20s, 30s. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's been chilly here as well. It's like frigid outside. Um, and forgive me, I, I now have a cold, so you have to deal with that. <laughs> My sniffles. But yeah. um, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Okay. So even though my relationship with the spiritual world, the non-physical world had been mostly non-existent for most of my life. And this was when I was a believer, when I wasn't a believer, back to being a believer, all of that. My real encounter with what we could call ghosts was uh, Jadah, my my fiance at the time, someone from his work knew a ghost hunting group and they would hire writers to come and join them on their exploits and write about it. And then they would pay them and, but it would also be published. And they were like, just write honestly, just write what you see. And it's a, a lot of groups do this to help build their their credibility and also to get them more exposure. So he said yes, and he was like, do you want to come along with me? And I was like, sure, this sounds great. So it was um, a midnight excursion. We started, I think, like, like we drove up from D.C. and we met in Gettysburg. We went to two locations. I'll start with the first one. So we went to this state park and we were the first ones to arrive. We were told like, hey, meet at, meet at this pin location because you're gonna lose Wi-Fi service. And the meeting time was at midnight. And you're like, okay. So, so we drive off like, <laughs> classic, right? So we, so we, you know, take some, uh, you know, double shot espressos with us. Um, and we get up to, to the forest and we're the first ones to pull in. And, you know, cell service is down. No one's up there. It is pitch black. Like the last house we passed was like 20 minutes away. Like it was like we're in the middle of this huge state forest. But, you know, slowly but surely, like cars start to dribble in and we're meeting all the different members of this ghost hunting group. And and, and one of one of the guys he's this old guy. He's like, oh, I'm just here to watch the dogs. 
And I'm like, what dogs? And he's like, oh, you don't know? Like the leader of this group, like in his spare time, what he does is, not his spare time, like he's like a venture capitalist. He does whatever he wants. He attaches, he's got 12 malumets that he attaches to the sled that has wheels on it. And he takes these dogs and travels down old abandoned rail tracks all across the, the uh, Northeast. And that's how he discovers like haunted places. And hold on, on the tracks? Like, yeah, yeah. Can so he do like, that? Is that illegal? <laughs> I don't know if it's legal or not, but but I think it is legal. It's 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 like some it's some kind of tourism. But he will go and like discover abandoned houses, forts, graveyards, places in all of this wilderness where trains used to run. But because the rails are still there, his wheels can go. And so that, and the dogs are like the big logo for this ghost hunting group. Um, and so we meet him, we meet the two mediums that he brings with him, this old Southern Native American guy who likes to antagonize spirits. And there's like this woman named Para Ann, who's like in her thirties, who's kind of like the more subtle, inquisitive, um, compassionate medium, you know, really trying to get answers. Um, so we meet everybody, it was cool, and we go out to our first location. And we go to um, this civil civil war area, but it was also repurposed during World War II um, to hold prisoners of war. And so we're out there, it's pretty cold, we're at this first site, and the group starts setting up all their equipment. Now I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of these gizmos and gadgets, I was not. They were like, k2 machines and this one guy had like this sound box that would like interpret um echo recordings into english so they could catch words and i was like wow this is really wild and so we set up by the foundations of this old fort that housed pow's from world war ii and through the scanners they're getting some some activity from like what what appears to be on the scanners like a sentry walking back and forth because they set up this one k2 um, that whenever it would be activated by some sort of paranormal um, energy it would make a music box sound. so we were getting some responses some back and forth it was really cool just to see how all of the machines were working we were like okay let's go to another location so this is where things get really intense we go to this glen where there there must have been some foundation of a fort but it had mostly been nothing there was like a few cement pillars I just real quick before before we move on just yeah. going back to the last thing when you said there was a, a like a, a sentry walking back and forth was it on yeah. like a like a thermo like a so they were they were using the thermal camera at both sites and on on the on the first one it was a little like they could pick up a humanoid outline or like not not humanoid but like it, it had that that figure of of a person um but really it was the 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 back and forth and the communication with the k2s gotcha. and para and yeah so so we didn't get a ton of visuals I will tell you though, the second site, we sure did. And I'm really not doing anything. I'm just observing. Okay, I'm seeing all these all these people, you know, whipping out gadgets, asking questions, looking at heat maps, and I and the and the EVP machines just going the whole time, which just adds to the specter of everything. And the the older medium starts asking a question about do you want us here? And no one really noticed that, like, a branch or, like, there was rustling. You know, it could have been anything. could have been, like, an animal or, you know, dead wood. I mean, there had been a storm there, like, a few days before. When, like, who knows, right? No one really paid attention to it. On the thermal scanners, right on the cement pillars, it's clear as day. And I can tell you because I saw it, was a human outline. And it was there. And the two mediums were asking it questions, and it was responding. How how was it responding? Through the EVP. Okay. And and then what was it saying? What were like the words that were coming out? So the words were like, you know, daughter, fear, 
like you could get like more syllables than things. And so they were trying to, so then when you get that kind of um, those words, you try to ask it like, what does it mean by that? Could you clarify that? Yeah. No, and really in, in genuine appreciation. And then the old medium, the, the Native American medium starts to like antagonize it a little bit. And is like, um, do you do you fucking want us here or not? And the thermal outline disappeared and a tree fell. Oh, like a big tree? <laughs> yeah. Like a full fucking whatever was around us. And it was with it, like it didn't fall in the clearing, but it was right next to us. And these are people who have been doing this for 15 years. They grabbed their stuff and they bolted out of the, the clearing. Mm. And you know, I'm left there like, okay, so I saw this outline. It said something before with this branch. It now put a whole tree down. So what, whether they were Confederate ghosts, whether they were POW ghosts, whether they were American Guard ghosts, I don't know. But in the second location, they did not want us there. So that was the woods. Um, and at this point, you know, I'm like, damn. Like, so many of these gadgets have gone off. There have been calls and responses. There was enough space for me to be skeptical, but I'm I'm, I'm hearing this stuff. And I'm like, the, these guys are not gonna invest tens of thousands of dollars in equipment, their time being outside on a Wednesday night from midnight till four in the morning, just to give me and Jadon a rise. Like, they're just like, like, like that takes a huge leap of imagination. So at that point, I'm starting to trust this group. We're starting to like build relationships and starting to get to know some of the camera guys because they've got microphones and cameras everywhere. So the the third location we go is this. Um, oh my god, it was so it was so scary. <laughs> it was this old farmhouse that actually is occupied by a family who had bought it three years prior. Oh, so someone someone and currently lives there. Currently lives there. Okay. This house this house had been. Um, and it was like, it was so strange because it took a while to get there. And yet when you arrive, like the highway was on the other side. Like it, there was some woods in between it, but it was, it was close to the highway. Yeah. But this house had been there since I think they said the Revolutionary War. And when you go down in the basement, you can see the original uh, wooden beams um, oh, nice. that, are, that are still there. It's a super old house. Um, and the family who occupied it didn't really know anything about the history of the house. The father was just like a, a civil war, like history buff and like, like just wanted to be in the area as, as he was retiring. Um, and we pull up and there's like Confederate flags everywhere and crosses and like, <laughs> oh shit. Welcome. And, <laughs> and you know, Jadon's there as like one of the only two black people in this group. And I'm like, shit, whip. We just we pulled made a mistake <laughs> to some sickos, and I'm like, we got. I'm giving this five minutes before we before we leave. But you know, we we all meet around this campfire. The husband and wife come out. They greet us and they tell us a little bit about what's going on. They had turned their house and about two acres of woods in the back into a tourist um, attraction. They they invite people. You can you can pay to walk through because what they discovered is that their house and the adjacent woods are i forget the word but the best like image that comes to mind are like vortexes they use the word portal at one time hmm. but um that they were they were vo spiritual vortexes and specifically in the basement of the house and two areas in the woods because as they were giving us the history this had been on indigenous land, Native American land. Um, they knew this because they had found pottery and arrowheads that can okay. be carbon dated to to that time before the house was built. When the house was built, um, it you know obviously you know the Battle of Gettysburg you know was <laughs> was happening all over, so they have that going on. It was also part of the Underground Railroad. Mm. So, um, in one spirit in particular, a little eight-year-old boy, I believe the mother called him Samuel, the wife of the guy who was there professed that she had been able to be in contact with the spirits and she kind of 
takes care of them. So, so you have the Underground Railroad, the, the Native American site, you have the, the, Confeder uh, the Confederate and Union battles. And what also made it kind of a vortexy place is that there were spirits from the highway, from car accidents, oh, that would right. get pulled into the property. And so I'm hearing all this and I'm like, okay, well, this sounds something out of poltergeist or like, you know, you're just like, there's so much like death and, and menace that it kind of gravitates that energy towards it. I'm like, yeah. okay, but Magnet. you can, you can say that, but, but what's the, what's the beef, you know, yeah. where's the beef Arby's? <laughs> so they go, okay, you're going to split into two groups because if if your whole group goes to one of these places you may not get the kind of contact you want so we split up into like six and six so we start in the basement super super old basement and they have their own evp and it's much better than the one we were using mm. um and i think because it was it was stationary it was it wasn't battery powered you know so it was a little more a reliable machine yeah and the wife tells us, she goes, okay, now you can start asking questions. Um, and the female medium was with us. We had our little um, cold scanner, uh, you know, temperature scanner. Yep. She's like, you're probably going to hear a lot of different voices. So just be very clear with who you want to get in contact with. And we're sitting down there. And the first five minutes, nothing's really happening. Like there's little spits on the EVP machine. Uh, you know, we can hear like what seems like an accumulation of voices, but it's it's nothing really identifiable. So I grabbed the little thermal scanner. We're in like this lighted area of the basement, but there's a darker area as you go forward. There's no chairs set up, there's nothing. So I walk over and I'm looking down and I don't know how to use this machine, okay? The temperature keeps changing. It goes from like 70, to 71 to 69 and at first i'm like oh okay what's what's one degree i tell the group this they're like it shifted a degree it shifted two degrees i was like yeah <laughs> they're like oh shit. that's like that is a significant temperature drop to indicate that you could be interacting with paranormal energy it's <laughs> like okay i'm coming back i'm coming News back to me <laughs> so i go and sit down i'm holding this machine and all of a sudden, um, Para Ann starts asking questions, and this distinct female voice comes out of the EVP box. She says, hello. And Para Ann's like, hi, can you tell me your name? The first one was Mary. So Mary's like, hi. And after a while of conversation, she stops speaking, and there's this loud voice that comes through the box. It's an angry old man. So conversations going back and forth. We, you know, weird stuff's happening. We're all kind of spooked. The wife comes back in, and she's and she tells us, "Yes, so one of the one of the um, longtime spirits here, I forget his last, I forget the surname of the family, but they were the original owners of the house when it was built, and Mister Mister something, and he uh, died in the house um, unexpectedly." So she told us that his spirit doesn't know why he's dead. He doesn't know why everyone's there. And he's just freak. And he tries to control everything. Now I'm getting like, you know, Mr. Crane vibes from the haunting. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so this is like the spooky old guy, the first ghost, who's just like fucking, but she's like, he's harmless. He's just an angry old man. He's like, yeah, like we were talking to this spirit called Mary. And then she kind of got shouted down by all these male voices. And she's like, yes, well, as you know, like sexism was real back then as it, as it <laughs> is now. And you're like, okay, but who, who is Mary? And Mary was another spirit of a family that had lived in the house later. So we're like, oh, geez. So she, so she knows the names of the people. And she's like, has Samuel come to talk to you yet? And we're like, who's Samuel? So Samuel is an eight-year-old boy who was, um, fleeing the south he was part of the underground railroad and he he unexpectedly died in the house she's like i talked to him all the time we never got in touch with samuel that night in the basement we were down there for probably 90 minutes 
And the whole time, running on just pure adrenaline, I'm like, shit, <laughs> there it is. Like, you can, you can just feel it to the point where, like, I started asking questions. Because when the female medium, who was really the only one asking questions, wasn't getting a lot of response, we took that sexism comment to heart. You're like, okay, well, what if a man asks what's going on or tries to interact with the spirits? Yeah. I got some responses, but I was like, that's really interesting. Like projecting kind of human prejudice and consciousness onto these entities. Um, But it was wild to like be in like the medium role for like 10 minutes and just like going back and forth, doing my best to like get clarification. You felt sad. Yeah. I felt very, I felt very sad. Like it was almost like, you know, when, when if people die unexpectedly or don't know that they're dead and they do live in this world, assuming that the world, this spirit world operates on the, the laws and functions that everyone was telling me it operates, that you kind of take on the, I mean, that energy is palpable and very potent. Mm. So you can feel it, even if it's not like, oh, you know, my temperature is going down or like, or goosebumps but like you can feel the emotional energy of those entities that you're around and and so we're going around the woods and you know you know whether it's and we're the only ones out there right whether it's twigs snapping or all of a sudden the fire getting huge it just there's just so much energy back there to the point where i'm like look the mind is an incredible tool we can hallucinate all of this we can get into um, group memory around a belief of what happened, but I know what I saw hmm. and I know what I experienced. And more importantly, I know what I felt because as we know, the mind is an imperfect instrument for seeing the world. It can only observe through the five senses, which as we know is only one approach to interacting and knowing the world around us. I was, it's not even about convincing or evidence it's just like, are there spirits? Of course there are spirits. Like yeah. I, have, I have no doubt. I have, whether you put it on a K2 machine or you have a medium asking questions or you feel the emotions of a lost spirit in the in the gut of your stomach. And if you're an empathetic person, you're going to receive that. I, I left that night like, damn. You know, now I know why these guys are do, they're doing this for 15 years. Like what a, what a ride. So those were my family stories, and they will wrap up season one of The Grave. I want to thank my siblings and my dad for taking the time to discuss their experiences with me. And as a family, I think we can all take some solace in the knowledge that we can all agree that there is something that happens after death. And I think that's really what I wanted to get across with this first season. I don't think that life is all just a materialist experience where what you can encounter with your with your senses is, is all that's there. And I also want to give a huge shout out to my wife, Jessica. She has been my number one fan throughout this entire process, has supported me every inch of the way, has helped with promoting the podcast, and kept me generally sane throughout this entire endeavor. I really appreciate everyone who has taken the time to listen to this podcast. It's been a, it's certainly been a labor of love. Um, A lot of late nights and a lot of bourbon, but your support has pushed me to continue with this podcast and uh, I can tell you that we are already interviewing folks for season two. I will not give a definitive date as to when that will launch but I certainly want you to know that it is happening and if anyone listening has a friend, family member, knows a garbage man or someone who works at a deli or whatever the case may be. If you know someone who has a interesting paranormal story or experience, know that I'm here to listen to it. And you can always find me 
on Instagram at The Grave Podcast. And you can always email me at podcastthegrave at gmail.com. So again, a huge thank you for everyone who's listened and supported. This is a wrap on season one, and I will certainly be giving you updates as far as any insight into season two and when that will be taking off. So one last time, I'm your host, Josh King, and I can't wait to have you all back for some more scary stories.